Tom Kearney on to his right foot and he cracks it home. Brilliant finish from Harrison Reed. Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your Fulham podcast from Down Under. And we are back again after an extraordinary game last night as Fulham and Liverpool played out a seven-goal thriller at Anfield. Unfortunately, Fulham going down 4-3 on the night. We're also going to discuss the under-21s and the Fulham women's updates, uh, touch on their uh, their results during the week. And here to do all of that with us, we have Sammy. How are we going? I'm back to being tired again. Um, uh, not as dehydrated as what I have been known to be, but you know, still a passive level. We're working on it. Um, I'm also just, just, uh, just kind of just sore in general, just through like life, and particularly after everything that's happened in the past 24 hours. But you know, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good, and that's the main thing. Glad I asked. And Dad, how are we going tonight? I'm glad you asked for the detailed answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really well, thanks. I'm simple. You're simple. Good. That's what we like. Well, I, I, we like I'm not simple. Succinct to the point. I, I, I'm not, perfect. Yeah, yep. you're, simple, you're a complex man. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, let's crack straight into it. It was a uh, a Sunday game. We obviously had the chance to watch all results play out over the uh, the. Saturday games and and see where we're sort of standing in the league. And I mean, Sammy, I'll throw it to you first. I, I can't imagine any of us were expecting to really get anything out of this game. We know we've got a bit of a tough run coming up over the next six weeks or so. But Liverpool was probably a game that you sort of chalk off as a, as a loss. Don't really expect to actually walk away with anything. But geez, we came close. Yeah, like I had... Kind of just bizarre, isn't it? Like, if you could have predicted this kind of scenario, like, at the start of the season, what with everything that happened, and if you could have just, like, predicted, you, you just couldn't necessarily have done it. Um, uh, really, really great to see goals scored from open play. Um, really, really great to see um, just Iwobi again, just fully shining. Um Honestly, though, the main thing that just tore us apart was Liverpool just having some of the most ridiculous goals that I've seen in ages. Like this, this was it was some crazy, crazy goals in this game. Um, and yeah, like I, the whole the whole experience was I'm a bit kind of lost for words on it, and that's why you do a podcast about it. Uh, I can guarantee you're not going to be lost for words tonight, Sammy. Yeah, um, I'll find something. I'll find one something. thing, Dad, Sam sort of said there, It's um, it sort of bucks the trend, this one. We've been complaining pretty much all season about the fact that we can't score goals and we've really struggled scoring goals. But you look at our last two games. We played against the Wolves side who are not terrible defensively and, you know, pushing big sides uh, right to the very end, scored three against them. We've come up against the Liverpool side who we know are very good and they're a high quality team managed to score three quite comfortably against them as well it could have even been more with few of the other opportunities just sort of falling short do you think maybe we're starting to see Marco come up with a a system that's working where we can actually start scoring goals look I think uh, I I think it's it's just uh, typical of this Fulham team that we can't string wins together but we love a big game 
And mm. unfortunately, um, we go out and score three. When's the last time that happened? And they score four. You know, it's almost a bit Fulhamish, isn't it? Mm. And um, but there's a lot to be uh, there's a lot to be proud of, really, and excited about because um, you know I, I thought we were very good last night. Really, really good. Yeah, hundred percent. It was um, it was a very good performance. And look, there's a lot to unpack. So, I guess let's get straight into it. Um, talking about the game, you know, I think early doors it, it looked pretty even. Sammy, what were your thoughts? I guess on the start of the game and how Fulham started because we're we're often fairly slow to start in these games, but I thought we actually came out of the blocks pretty well. Yeah, no, we came out really, really competitive, like fully up for it. Um, again. Uh, Awesome to see Robinson and Awobi just really, really bossing and really kind of establishing themselves really, really early. Polina was out to kill. Um, but I, I don't like Liverpool. I'm really, I'm really not a fan of like this Liverpool team and just kind of Liverpool in general. I really hate their supporters in particular. But um, uh, this Liverpool seems to have kind of really fleshed themselves out a lot more in the past 18 months. Their front three immediately looked like they were going to be intensely threatening. Um, so, like, even though we were, like, fully, fully up with it, it was still kind of, like, edged with that tinge of, oh, these this does look like a pretty serious, serious team that we're playing. And they, yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I don't know. Uh, you, look, you say things. No, you're, you're right. It, it's, a, it's a very good Liverpool team. Admittedly, they had a couple of injuries. Uh, Allison being out. You know, at first, I didn't think we'd make that much of a difference, and I'll, I'll come on to that a bit later. But I, agree. I, I think, in terms of his um, his presence at the back and how he commands the defence, and I mean his general shot stopping as well, he he's definitely a big big loss for them. Um, Diego Jota as well. Out. It just seemed like there are a few players who um, who they could have done with throughout the game, and and it did look like a slightly underpowered Liverpool, maybe, but. Even then, they come out of the blocks absolutely flying and, and they create chances early. The first chance also led to um, Fulham's, I guess, first injury of the game, which mm. was Burnt Leno. I, very inconspicuous. I didn't really see what happened, but mm. it Did appears... Did he get clipped in the head? Yeah, yeah so I think, I think it's um, Diaz with the follow-up. Um, Nick's in... And sort of gets to the ball, but effectively, I mean, he sort of clears out Leno's head. It might hit knee to eyebrow or something along those lines. I couldn't really see what happened because it wasn't very clear. Salah follows up and puts the ball in the back of the net, but is clearly Luis Diaz and Salah were both clearly offside when the first shot came in. Mm -hmm. um, and look, VAR cleared it up pretty quickly. It, it did look offside first glance as well, and we had that big long stoppage um, getting Leno all patched up. About five minutes after we we got the game back underway, and the first goal goes in. Um, now it goes down as a Leno on goal, but I think we can all agree here it was entirely down to Trent Alexander Arnold with a, a superb free kick. Mm. Uh, really, nothing you can do about that, Dad. I know we had a little chat earlier about uh, the wall, which I would like to mention, but just I mean. Alexander Arnold's class, but again, should we be giving away free kicks in dangerous positions like that? It was a pretty soft free kick, um, yeah. knowing that well, they the have set always, piece always, like that. Yeah, and the answer is always no. But ne nevertheless, that was 
incredibly well hit. And I know you were banging on about how that wasn't a very good ball and how they separated when he took the shot. But if you look at it from side on, he's actually they, he's actually cleared the wall by a mile and it's completely unstoppable. I actually mm. felt a bit sorry and a bit scared and anxious about Leno's eye because it was looked like it was closing mm. over and it was looking through one eye. Yeah, yucky. Um, yeah. Anyway, well, I, yeah. Yeah, I had a few people commenting on Twitter saying, you know, should Leno be staying on with his head bandaged like that? Because the bandage was sort of coming across his eyebrow and maybe doing just affecting his eyesight. I'm not 100% sure. Sammy, you, what, well, it what would. are your thoughts? It, it would affect. You, if you just squinted one eye, just even ever so fractionally, that makes a massive difference of your, of your whole perception of sure. what you're seeing coming at you. Oh, look, it's, an it's, 80... It has to. Look, and like a Leno at 80% is still better than a well, Rodak for thing. me. Yeah. Like that's I'm I'm always gonna take that experience. I'm always gonna take that manpower. The thing that I actually just wanted to say, and maybe I'm just skipping ahead a little bit, but I don't really care. Um, the Please first don't. two goals, the first two goals though, like I mean that you can you can you can talk about um uh, sloppy defending, but that I feel that like those two goals are just such marvels. That they almost like def like def does defense even mean anything when you're doing goals like that? Like particularly like McAllister's goal, that is just a ridiculous, ridiculous strike. And again with Trent's goal as well, that free kick is just ridiculous. It pings off the crossbar. Like what do you do? Like what do you actually do in those situations? Do you rely on like yeah. a good goalkeeper? Or do, you, do you rely on like having to shut them down? Like I just. There is, I mean, uh, just not only do we score four goals, that sorry, three goals, we normally struggle to score one, mm. but they score four worldies. Yeah, like, re like real, real three top pass. You can, yeah, you can probably argue maybe like the last goal, Trent's probably slightly too open, but just in general, just, just ridiculous, ridiculous tough. stuff. Pretty but yeah. I will, I will concede though that our goals significantly better well worked because you know yeah like individual brilliance isn't necessarily the sign of a team um uh, performing at its absolute peak whereas i was intensely proud of the goals that we scored and jack i'm gonna pass it over to you because i know you'll want to talk about it oh, i just want to reel you back in talking about all of our goals and we haven't even talked finished talking about the first one that's why um, i'm here the point i will make and I, I pulled up a screenshot while sam was rambling um yeah, well, and it's a you screenshot. You could have made a loaf of, of bread. Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, it would be finished by now as well. Um, the, the Yeah, this is a screenshot, and it's one that I wanted to show of, of the Fulham wall from the free kick. And, yes, look, it was a pretty much a perfect free kick, but I'm still disappointed by this wall here. Like, the job of a wall is to stand firm, all jump in unison to block that side of the goal for the goalkeeper. Uh, and look, if the ball goes top corner, there's not a huge amount you can do about it. But still, seeing the wall break apart like that, only one player jumping, which is Raul. And look, it's hard to see exactly where the ball is there. And if it's, it looks like it might be behind Raul at that moment, you never know. These guys can leap high and at least try and do something and make Trent feel like he's he's having to work for it. It feels a little bit too easy. And it's just fractionally disappointing to see the wall just breaking apart like that. They're meant to be standing solid as a line and trying to block that goal, and they're just not doing their job there for me. And, oh, and look, it's nitpicking a an absolute blinder of a goal, but 
when I saw the replay of that, it really did stand out to me as just a we just looked like a bit of a rabble there. You don't want to see that from your wall. There's there's four or five different holes you can go through there, and it's pretty pretty damning because Trent could have put that over Robinson's head. Um and oh and between Robinson and Pelinia, there's it looks like almost a meter there between them. You can easily mm. if he didn't even get the height, that's going in the back of the net. Mm. So Look, it's it's nitpicking, yeah. admittedly, and it's well, nitpicking it's not... against the blinder, but it just feels like that's a real basic thing that you learn when you first start playing football and facing free kicks. Keep a wall together, keep solid, link arms if you have to. Um, it just feels a little bit lackadaisical for me. Um, anyway, talking about that goal, we obviously went 1-0 down. For me, I'm I'm actually very happy that we just didn't drop our heads at that point which mm. does seem to happen quite often against these big sides. We saw it against Man City where all of a sudden you go 4-0 down before you know it. The fact that we hit back just four minutes later through Harry Wilson and um, Dad, I'll throw it to you because it was a textbook goal that we see all the time. Usually it's Willian out on the left feeding through Robinson. This time it was a Wobi. Um, but Robinson's third assist for the season and a really good finish from Harry Wilson. Yeah, good to see him on the score sheet. And he he did look pretty good last night actually I have to admit he looked confident which is not something I've been saying about him for ever um and uh, yeah it was you know good good goal great goal and it, like you said really good to see I mean the, the best part about it was we actually responded very very quickly mm. it's um, real it's a real yeah no dad you go, go, you go. no no go sir I was just going to say that it's just a very very classic um, one that we've been doing lately. It seems to actually really, really work and function very, very well. Just the overlap from Robinson and then just um, the feed in. Because that's, I can think of at least three scenarios where that's um, worked and um, played off. It would be nice to have um, a similar equivalent coming from the right hand side or at least um, a similarly effective uh, strategy coming from the right hand side. Um, actually, did um wait who who f- that was a cross in from Tete? Uh, sorry, that was a cross in that led to Tete's goal, which was assisted by Jimenez. I'm doing finger quotes for the listeners along, but yeah, no, really, going, really, really strong, huh? Where, 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 where are you going? I don't know. I'm tired. Anyway, keep on going, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I do agree with you. It, it, it was a very classic Fulham goal that we've seen quite a lot since Silva's taken over. Um, Robinson, uh, and we'll we'll touch on individual players towards the end of the pod, I guess, but Robinson, for me, had an absolute blinder. Dad, I think you messaged yeah. me during the game, and he really did shut Salah out of the game almost completely. Considering yeah. Salah's one of the best players in the Premier League, he was, you know, fairly out of the game for the majority of it. Um, and going forward, Robinson offered a lot, and, you know, he got his reward with an assist. Um, he was pretty unlucky blazed forward a few times and put a couple of shots in on goal. And it's good to see that confidence from him. I think a confident Robinson is a good Robinson. Mm. Um, let's, yeah, go on, Dad. Well, I was just going to say, easily his best game for as long as I can actually remember. And I know yeah. I know he's had had a really good international break. Uh, well, he's, I mean, he's done some good things. He's been patchy, but he's, he's also, you know, had, done some or being part of some very ordinary things but I thought he was for for his job that he did on Salah alone 
um, you know, high, high quality. That's high praise to shut Salah out of a game. And it's not like he just disappeared. There was a, so many instances where Salah would get the ball and try and do something, and Robinson would take the ball off him or break it down and stop him. And, mm. uh, you know, it, it was pretty impressively done, actually. Like, really, really impressive. Robinson for me, Robinson, and I've said this before, not in these words, but Robinson for me is like an Adam Sandler film because sometimes it's great and sometimes it's terrible, but I never necessarily know until it starts. Um, he's he's so up and down, isn't he? Because like on his day, he is like, he is top tier. He is fully, fully top tier, like at least a top six um, uh, left back. But sometimes he can be just utter drivel, and I just never, never know which Robinson I'm getting. He seems to turn up for big games, so I'm not that mad about it, but I would just like a consistent Robinson, please. I I, I think he seems to get into trouble when it's really close man-marking or defending in the box. Yeah, yeah, Uh, that's right. When he's he's out wide and he's actually got to chase a man down or, or use his pace, um, he, he's actually consistently good, and he's, mm. he's he's always interesting going forward, and he's linking up with whoever whoever's actually on the wing. Um, mm. But it, I think the problems we see is when it's it, it's sort of close, close. What do you call it? Yeah, I don't know. Proximity. It's just close proximity. Yeah, yeah. Close stuff in the mm. in the box. Um, it it's less than top six stuff. Mm. Well, look, it was easily, for me, his best game probably ever in a Fulham shirt. Um, He made four tackles, which is the most he's made all season in any individual game. Um, Against Chelsea, he had six interceptions, which was a standout performance. Against Tottenham, he had five. Against Liverpool, he had 13 interceptions. He basically just completely cut Salah out of the game, um, not allowing him to even get close to the ball. Um, he made four clearances, which is uh, the second most this season. Going on whoscored.com, who b- basically keep very detailed statistics and give players ratings at the end of the game, um, his average for the season is sort of sitting around the seven kind of mark. And his mm-hmm. rating for the game against Liverpool yesterday, he made it into an 8.62, which nice. is, you know, right up there is probably the Ooh. highest ratings uh, across um, the whole of the Premier League yesterday. He had a really, really good game. And I think that, like I said, that's the kind of Anthony Robinson that I enjoy watching. And that's the kind of Anthony Robinson who I think when we have players in, in that kind of mode, we, we're dangerous. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll make a mention here is of Kenny Tete as well, who I think it was great seeing him back. And geez, just some of the tackles that he makes. I oh. think Castagna's done a great job standing in, but how good was Kenny Tete yesterday and how good to see him back in the starting lineup? Well, it's the difference. I mean, Castagna has been fantastic and he's, he fitted in so quickly and so well. He's done a really, really, really good job. But Kenny Tete is next level. He's aggressive. He's, he's just so energetic and he, he's, he's a big part of this. T- uh, he's a big part of this when we're doing well. He's a seriously big part of it. I I love I love Silvers because I like with each passing 
moment of this season. I'm seeing Silver's vision more. And I love, I love having a Wobi in the squad. And then say, for example, taking off um um uh who is on uh, Wilson and then just moving um Iwobi to the other side and then um uh, just allowing just allowing flexibility and it's the exact same with Castagna because for me Tete is always going to start he's always going to start because he just offers something so unique and so powerful and so effective but then to be able to have um like Castagna come on and just just have so much flexibility. I want that across the park. And I feel that that is what Silva is trying to build. When that is at its fully actualized, I am so excited. Well, I think, uh, I think last night, uh, Kenny was cooked and, and not, not surprisingly. So his first full game back or first mm. game back, and he's actually played a full, almost a full game. Yeah. And he 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 works so hard, you know. He's and I think that normally he's a very very fit boy, mm. but he looked he looked absolutely shattered actually when he got taken off. So I don't I don't think Castagne would ever replace him because Kenny's no, only good not. for seventy minutes. But yeah, I know what you mean though. I, I generally speaking, I know what you mean. I, I'm your yeah. father. <laughs> okay, <laughs> thanks, Darth Vader. Um, anyway. <laughs> so look one all and then as as has sort of been mentioned slightly already and it, it's an absolute bullet from Alexis McAllister. I have to say it's again to nitpick, it's very poor defending. Kenny Tete lifts the ball forward rather than putting his foot all the way through it and clearing it into the opposition half. Jimenez for I, I do, don't understand it at all. He nods the ball back into the middle, into danger. Where there are no Fulham players either, the ball falls mm. to McAllister. It's he's you know in a lot of space. It opens up for him. He swings his boot through it, and you know he's a World Cup winner. He's an international player for Argentina. He's top quality talent. He puts his foot through it and absolutely spanks it. That's unsavable. Um, mm. You know it, it, you see the slow mo from behind the goal, and Leno is getting himself set, and there's just no chance he's getting anywhere near that. It's a it's. A stunning goal. And look, 38 minutes in, we're 2-1 down. And you kind of sat there and went, yeah, okay. Yeah, but but like you say, Jack, Jack, in the context of the game, even in the Premier League, McAllister had enormous space and time because the ball just got nodded into his path. Yeah, it's 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 dumb. It's really dumb. And I I see what Jimenez was trying to do, which was head it down to... I think it was Harrison Reed who was, but mm-hmm. Harrison Reed was basically standing next to him, and for some reason he's headed it more central, as if he's trying to be. And it's again we see it with Jimenez sometimes, as if he's trying to be a little bit too clever and trying to nick a little side header off to get Reed to run onto it, but he just doesn't have the ability to do those incredibly intricate things. And look, if if they come off, then you go, yeah, that was a good little move, but I just haven't seen one come off from Jimenez yet, so. It's it's hard to allow him to keep getting away with it in a way. Keep getting well, away why, with why, it. <laughs> why, why would you keep trying it when the basics aren't working for you? It just looks, you know, it just looks expansive and unnecessary. And 
No. I'm actually I'm actually getting to the point where it feels like bashing Jimenez is like bashing George Bush in like 2003. It's just such an easy target that like yeah he it, he needs to go. It's it's just like he he doesn't really. I mean yeah you can make an argument that he did some all right stuff and he can hold up the ball and he's still got a little bit of pace, but he does nothing for me. But at the same time, at the same time. How could you have possibly predicted that Mikasa um, is going to just whip a ridiculous, a ridiculous goal from like what? But if you thirty-five minutes, if, if you give a top-class player five yeah. yards free, absolutely, and, and absolutely. knock the ball, knock the ball into his path, he's going to have a crack at something like that, and it might just yep. come off. Yeah, this yeah, is the Premier exactly League. Right. You you can't do that. It's the Premier League. You you cannot give opportunities to world-class players, of which there is one in every single team you play against, to put their foot through the ball completely unmarked and in space from 35 yards out because, uh, and look, it doesn't always go in, but he'll have a ping and he's mm. got no pressure on him to to score from there. So you can have a go at it and, geez, it, it just went through and, yeah, superb goal. Re- it's hard to describe a goal like that because you don't see many of those. It's It's probably wrapping up or getting close to being one of the goals of the season, it's definitely going to be in the in the conversation. Um, look, you you can see two like that. You you're sort of okay with being down two one, um, but again, we didn't let our heads drop, fought hard, and we managed to equalise in injury time. And look, it's a it's an assist for Jimenez. Um, I think it's a it's an assist for Jimenez. It's fortunate no. to be called as an assist for him. I, I'm um, not having that as an assist. That's bollocks. That's bollocks. It's that given a... as an assist, but look, at the end of the day, Jimenez is having a shot at goal, and it's so poor that it falls uh, under the gets counted as a pass, effectively. Um, <laughs> but look, it's it's actually very smart from Tete. All he's done there is throw a foot at it, get something on it, and it's changed the path yeah. of the ball. But Sam, should the keeper have done better? Oh, oh the keeper's crap. Oh. Like, it's sorry, that's one of the ugliest goals I have seen in quite a while. That is year 10 level keeping. Um, like, Allison, is Allison injured? Because I don't understand yeah, a is. single, yeah, because like. I understand giving um your young boys minutes, but holy shit, that is like I mean Rodax to step look up. Look awkward. Look awkward. Yeah. Just just too young. Just just like I mean He's twenty five, okay. he's not that young. Oh, for a keeper though, that's that's quite young. Um uh, look <laughs> I don't want to take anything away from Tete's goal because again, he did great. Um he saw an opportunity and he took it. If anything I was getting to that point in the game when we when they conceded that goal. I was like, we should just be taking every single chance we could possibly get because this keeper is not up to scratch. And I think if Allison was playing, obviously it's if if and buts and wins and all that, but if Allison was playing, it would have been a very, very different game. So we that was the moment where I was like, we have a serious, serious opportunity here because this keeper is not up to scratch. Taking nothing away from Tete's goal, though. I am taking away from Jimenez's assist, though, because that's a bollocks call to give him an assist. Like, that's 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 um, that's political correctness gone awry. <laughs> Not really. Yeah. It's accuracy, but... Um, Dad, I mean, your comment on the keeper as well, 
we saw the Wilson goal. It does go through his legs, although it's pretty tough from there, let's be honest. The Tete goal, it looks even worse. He's just in... He gets in a tangle somehow, and we'll talk about the Deckard over Reed goal later on as well, but potentially he's in a poor position there. I don't know why he's so close to his near post that a ball to the back post he's miles away from. Should the keep? Do you think if Allison was playing, we would have scored three goals? No. Well, it's difficult to say, but I'm going to say probably not. Um, oh, look, I, look, I, I actually think they were all quite well worked. And, you know, definitely. E- mm. Even <sighs> would Leno have saved any of those three goals? He probably would have done better against the first two. When you've got someone for the third goal, Bobby's header, um, it's pretty difficult when someone's heading it down so close to, to goal. And unless it's straight at you, it's very difficult. But um, no, I, I don't mind. I'm, I'm taking it. You know, we, we need all the luck and fortune we can get. I'm having it. Uh, so I don't really mind how it happened. But I, I, I just, I was very happy that we scored three goals, you know, which weren't penalties or somehow, uh, I don't know, goals that we didn't really deserve, own goals. No, yeah, look, and look, if you have a crappy um, goalkeeper or if you have um, a subpar goalkeeper that um, you're putting in there for, like, experience, you need to take your opportunities. And you know what? I think for the large part of the game we actually did i mean for christ's sake we got um three two up at one point um uh, so we did capitalize as much as we possibly could um i'm taking a leaf out of jack's book now like uh, sorry a page out of jack's book uh not a leaf that doesn't make sense um may like i'm just being nitpicky here we probably could have done better but again taking nothing away from the boys it's hard. It's yeah. hard to be negative about us scoring three goals. Come on, mm. I mean, but but this I I say it all the time. This Fulham side loves get even even with a really poor run of form. They love getting up for big games, and I I should know better than you know to to doubt the kind of performances we're likely to put in. We do love a game against Liverpool as well. Like mm. our last couple, our last couple of games and like our last couple of seasons um, playing yep. against Liverpool, we've done all right. Yep, and that's not. That's a really difficult place to, oh. to go. You know, and that's a noisy, nasty. noisy, noisy ground. Yeah, Jack. Look, what are your thoughts? Uh, well, I was going to say half time going in at two all. I don't know what you guys thought, but I definitely thought we were completely in this game. Oh, um, totally. Chances, chances being created constantly, causing Liverpool issues, dealing with them fairly well in general, I think. Um, and and look, it was it was a well fought out second half. Dad, I know we were watching the game sort of together. Uh, you were at one point twenty minutes behind me and slowly made your way up after the half time break to being only about five minutes behind me. And it's quite funny when we were talking about the game and. You were about five, six minutes behind me on the on the live stream, and I was messaging you constantly, saying, uh, wanting you to be able to fast forward and catch up so that we could talk about it live. But yeah, just sort of, <laughs> well, not just that, the actual content of the game, you couldn't so actually good. find a moment to fast forward. Yeah, because yeah. there was always something happening. Fulham were creating half chances. There were good tackles, fouls, good bits of skill. 
um, you know, there was the point uh, around the 60-minute mark, I think um, Salah missed a good opportunity. Uh, Darwin Nunes hits the crossbar. Fulham have a couple of oh. half chances as well. It was it was a very open game and sort of end-to-end and not really what you expect from a game like this, especially when the score's 2-all. You would expect Fulham to maybe sit deep and try and defend and just take the point, but we really didn't give up the game. Sorry. Um, can I just say that crossbar that crossbar hit like gave me a heart attack. Like that is that that was just so menacing. And again, like they oh man, when teams like Liverpool just strike a ball, they do really strike it at like a very different level with like a just ridiculous amount of pace on it. Just again, just milliseconds, milliseconds they work. I I have to say that at halftime I was thinking to myself. This is a really exciting game. It's incredibly entertaining. Lots of goals, and we're part of it. It's not like lots of goals, and we're picking the ball out of our own net all the time. But Mm. yeah, um, which is still interesting and entertaining to a point, but not much fun. But I, you know, I I was never far away from thinking this is a very, very, very talented Liverpool side, Mm. and we're Mm. just kind of playing out of our skin to stay in the game. And they score a goal, we get one. They score a goal, we get another one. You'd be thinking, this this is actually almost amusing that we're able to do this because man for man, they're, they're, they're better than us. I don't think that's an unreasonable thing to say. No, um, that, that, and that's not every man on the on the pitch, but uh, obviously Leno's a better keeper than their keeper last, last night. But, um, you know, generally speaking, they are a very, very good side. And when... When they move the ball around, they look fantastic. But we, we were absolutely matching them. Um, yeah, one know, thing to make it does of. it does make you feel though. It does make you feel that there's going to come a point where either we're going to get tired or that their quality is just going to come through, and they're going to put together a string of goals, and you can't keep up. One one thing I do want to make mention of is. Um, the substitutions, and I think we get on Silver's back fairly often or, or have done in the past about Silver's inability to make substitutions at what feels like the right time in the game. And the first lot of substitutions he made, I think he got spot on. We saw Kenny and Willian come on for Wilson and Pereira, and yep. They, yep. they really did make a massive difference. Wils, um, Willian out wide just seemed to control the game a little bit more. It, it sent Iwobi, um, I think Iwobi may have floated out to the right at that point or stayed central. Um, actually, no, he floated out to the right uh, and Kenny basically took Pereira's position in attacking midfield, if you will. It, it just seemed like the right time to make that change. And look, it came to fruition as well. We did make a couple more changes in the 75th minute when Iwobi <coughs> went off um, and Deco Reed came on. Castagna also came on for Tete. And like you said, Tete looked absolutely cooked by that point. So it did make sense to make that change. Five minutes after those changes, Fulham score their third goal, take the lead for the first time in the game. And look, it it all comes from substitutes. The ball gets played out wide to Bobby. He swings the ball very deep across to Willian, who picks it up just outside the box. Willian takes his time, really good run from Kearney, who takes a really Mm. good first touch, clips it to the back post. And Bobby Deckard-Overeed, all five foot six of him, out jumps. Well, Virgil van Dijk is basically standing there. 
Um, Bobby, Bobby at his highest jump got to Virgil van Dyke's actual height. Um, but he gets over the top of Simekas at the back post, nods the ball in, and again, keeper absolutely nowhere to be seen. A really, really well worked goal though, with the substitutes all combining. Mm. Um, Dad, your thoughts? Yeah. Well, I actually texted you uh, at some point in the game. I can't remember when it was. And I said these these substitutions are working perfectly. Not only the right time, but just just the right people to bring on at that moment. You know, um, Kenny's form of recent's been really, really good, and I can't get enough of him from a creative perspective at the moment. And you know, as much as I love Willian, I I think. Um, I don't think he could have kept up with 90 minutes of that if he started Agreed. yesterday. Agreed. And the impact it, off the bench worked perfectly. Oh, it, so good. So good. And Bobby, that Bobby's goal, uh, that was pure desire. Pure desire. He was not yep. actually going to let that get away. He was really, really up for it. Mm. And, uh, and so was Candy, by the way. He looked very fired up. I'm glad. Um, but yeah, I lo- I loved it. I'm glad you actually um, articulated this point as well, Jared. Because yeah, we have been critical over the past um, really years of just the way that Silver does substitutions. If this is the future, I love it. I love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. Because again, these guys, um, they can't play like a full 90 at this stage, but they still have so much value and so much creativity to offer. And again, just put them in a position where they can just have like the most legs and the most impact physically possible. And the way that football is going now, there is no player alive, genuinely. There's no player alive maybe a Kylian Mbappe um, that can go a full 90 minutes and be effective for the full 90 minutes. The game is just too intense now. People just run too hard. So rotation is a good thing. Like rotation is so important in a squad and just to see that be fully embraced at the moment and just very strategically done it's it's so exciting to see. I just kind of I really just want to fast forward like a year and a half just to see like um us with a proper striker and again with just silver have the team that he wants with just a full rotating just thing of yeah maybe not like top tier players but just it 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 is exciting to see the the makings of something right now it's really really cool i'm really about it i i thought you you were going to say i really really want to fast forward a year and a half to see if i'm still talking that was rude that was rude (laughs) Um, that was rude and you're better than this (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't fully agree. My auntie and uncle no are player. watching this right now, and you have besmirched the good nature of this podcast. Jack. Yeah, muted in a second. I don't fully agree that there's no player in the world apart from Mbappe who can play out yeah, a game. Neither do I. Um, consider Jao Polina, for example. I'm pretty sure he could play a 50-game season quite happily and be at peak throughout all of those games. And every team has players like that. Um, Fit I, I don't agree with that bit. point. Well, not not at the moment, but no, no. Um, I, I said a fit Kenny Tate. Robinson, yeah, yeah possibly. I mean, Robinson has done it for a few years. But any anyway, we we talk. We're praising the substitutions. I will actually change it up a bit and say, I think Silver got it wrong after we scored that goal, and he didn't shut up shop at that point. 
I feel mm. like you go three two up with ten minutes to go in a game. We should have instantly made a couple of substitutions, brought on Tosin, maybe. Uh, actually, we only had one substitution left to make, I think, at that point. Um, bring on Tosin, maybe that means subbing off uh, Jimenez, who stayed on for the yeah. full 90 minutes. Um, play, let Bobby Decadova Reed play up front by himself, or let Willian and you know play no striker and play five at the back. We missed an opportunity there to pick up points, and I feel like if if Silver had made that change and we go three two up. We probably come out with at least a point. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, <clears throat> didn't make that change, and we did concede in the 87th minute. Again, it's a really lovely finish from Endo, but I will dig into this one a little bit. And I don't know if you guys picked this up when watching the game. The ball gets played over the top. It, it goes over Bassi's head, and um, I think it's Nunez heads it back to or heads it down to Salah. Now. Nunez is played onside because Tim Ream is not holding the defensive line. And again, it's what we talked about in that Wolves game, where I think Ream is giving himself a couple of yards to try and cover for the fact that he's lost a bit of pace. And I think here he's actually dropped a little bit too deep. He's played Nunez onside. And Nunez, for the whole game, was right on the edge and was offside a lot throughout the game. And Ream has stepped back and played him onside and his header effectively leads to the goal. And again, a really good finish. Nothing Leno can do about that. But I feel like that is avoidable. And if we maybe had made that substitution and you've got Tosin in there, that ball doesn't go over Bassi's head and Tosin sweeps that up. Am I being unfair? Yeah. No, for the no, sake no. of the podcast discourse, it would be appropriate for me to have a rebuttal, but I think you're 100% right. Yeah, I, but look, I think, I think it is fair um, because... <clears throat> you know that 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 back four have to be in absolute unison because if you can't what what you have to do against the very very best is never ever ever you've got to catch you them in an offside trap mm. you have to hold the line you can't give them that they're just too yeah. good and look it might have been a misstep from Bream but I'm seeing it more and more especially late in games where he's just giving himself that extra little bit, and it's what gave away the penalty against Wolves. He's giving himself a bit of extra space, and he's out of position because of it. And, again, I, I love Tim Ream. He's a Fulham legend. Uh, I I think he's a great player, but I'm just starting to see little instances where he's, he's not quite there. And, look, I'll move forward to the next goal, which is Liverpool's eventual winner. And... Uh, I think it's Gakpo who picks the ball up and is driving towards goal. And Tim Ream stands off him and basically allows him to have a free shot on goal. Um, maybe Leno should have done better and actually put the ball out of play rather than keeping it in. Um, smashed which it, leads to, he smashed it. Which, mm. He did. But, you know, a, a good keeper deflects that out for a corner rather than putting it into the danger zone. Um, yeah, yeah, and sure. I'd expect Leno to maybe do a little bit better there. But, again, mm. I think Tim Ream stepped off Gakpo rather than defending him properly and allowed him to actually have a shot because Gakpo picks that ball up, you know, just the other side of the center circle and is allowed mm. to probably run 20, maybe even 30 yards before having a shot on goal, which then leads to Nunez popping the ball over to the back post, Simicas fouling Bobby Deckard over Reed, and then Trent managing to score the winning goal. I think Jack is 100% right. 
Um, uh, I kind of want to like highlight a little bit of a different point within that because again, I have zero arguments with anything there. I do think this is when um, the um, training wheels of the new system kind of start to um, be shown a little bit because um, the, and we've talked about this before, the backline does not feel cohesive right now. Um, I feel that um, when, because I feel, I, I still 100% believe that Bassi is the future and we need to get him as many minutes as physically possible and ideally move towards him kind of uh, eclipsing Tim Ream for the future. I'm probably sure by the end of the season, Bassey will probably have that left side spot locked down. Um, and then uh, w- when Bassey has been partnered up with whoever comes next, I'm not sure if that's Tosin or a new signing or even Diop, um, and that partnership has been set in stone, I don't think we're going to have these problems that we're currently running into where we're conceding very, very late in games and losing games that we should potentially be able to hold out. I think this is kind of becoming a little bit of a teething issue because I think I think um, conceding that way in the last 10 minutes, five minutes, whatever... I think that doesn't necessarily happen with a back um, a back line that's been fully established, like Raymond Diop last season. I think um, Bassi just needs his Diop, and I just want to get that as soon as possible for him. I don't know. What do you guys think? I, I, I'm actually really staggered at how how long Diop's been out. It's, it's obviously a really serious injury. I mean, he did hear it go pop on the top of his foot. It, it sounds oh. like a pretty serious injury. I don't know what it was oh, exactly. Anything but... popping, not good. Uh, I think he's, it sounds like he's only a couple more weeks away. Um, it could easily be that we don't see him till January, though, which I wouldn't be overly surprised by. Um, uh, look, it's, it's a big conversation a, around to the... It's had a huge impact on, on, on us. Even though we, we're getting by, but forcing Bassie to play on the right, not having... Kenny Tete fit for a, a a lot of weeks. It's a lot to be dealing with, a, a lot, and it's 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 really stretched Tim Ream and shown him up. Unfortunately, yeah, it's so sad. It's so sad, but it just kind of is what it is, though. Like players, just yeah. I mean, it it all comes to a, a twilight at some point, and you know what? He's he's de- he's still got a place in the squad. He's one hundred percent still got a place in the squad, but I think he should be moving from the bench as well because again you can't also like i i love tim in a leadership role as well but you can't realistically captain and command um in the same way when you're just frustrating everybody around you it's a bit of a, bit um, of a all i'm crap. saying is it's just it's just a bit unlucky for us yeah that, you know we've had to deal with all of these things and it's very difficult to have stability there difficult to move forward to bring you know, Bassey's been brought in and he's playing out of position and just having to make do. And he's 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 a lot, lot better and gives me a lot less anxiety than he was, you know, a, a month ago. But still, it's just far from your ideal setup. Mm. Just It's just what it is at the moment. Yeah, no, very true. Um Look, guys, it, it was disappointing to go down in the way we did. I think there are a lot of positives to still take from the game, though. Um, 
like I said at the start, we scored three goals. That's six goals in our last two games. We didn't let our heads drop against good opposition. I think we actually created a lot of chances. One thing that um, I guess we can possibly put forward as, as an option now, do we potentially look at Bobby Decudover-Reed as a starting striker going forward, considering Jimenez is just still not working um, Vinny has some serious anger issues still, although I still think Vinny played a lot better than Jimenez in the seven minutes he was on the field. Um, but Bobby's, no, you know, I... actually scored a couple of goals this season. Is, is it time to give him a start no. up front? Well, I'm saying no, but uh, um, I much prefer uh, Bobby Deckard over Reed out, out wide. Um, I, I would probably settle for Vinny until January um, mm. and just try and manage his craziness at the moment. I, I, I do agree. I think Vinny is a better striker than Jimenez. It, it's fairly clear at the moment, at least. Um, the uh, I guess I, I wouldn't mind trying something different with Bobby up front. I don't love the idea of it, but, the Jimenez stuff just isn't working for me at the moment. And I did get fractionally reamed on Twitter afterwards because I, I said in my post-match thoughts that I thought um, Jimenez was a bit of a passenger. Um, a lot of people saying they thought he did okay. And, look, he didn't do terribly, but I, I just think you need far more than that from your striker. I don't think he had a shot on goal unless you count his Tete assist as a shot on goal. Um, I, I just feel like he's still just not hitting the mark for me. So I, I just need I need something more. And One thing I need it now. One thing I love about football is football is it's not like most it's not like art. It's not subjective. It is you're either in form or not in form. You're either playing good or you're not playing good. There's not too much nuance. It's are you scoring goals? Are you not scoring goals? Is does Messi score more goals than everybody else? Then he is objectively the best player. Um, for me, uh, Jimenez was a good striker. He is no longer a good striker. That is a, kind of a statistical fact. Um, uh, and uh, I love, I love BDR. I love BDR. But again, I don't, I don't like him as a striker. That's not necessarily his best position. I love him on the pitch. And to be honest, I actually just like him in a rotation spot because I feel like that's where he shines. For me, it's just. Um, get Vinicius in there. But it's a bit like getting McDonald's when you'd rather have a gourmet burger. You know, it's just kind of just satisfying a craving. And it's it's just it's just a means to an end. Just just January is January is so close, guys. It's so Yeah. Close. I hate I hate wishing my life away, but I, I feel like I've got no choice. We can turn it into gentle comedy here, but like that's that's really the only positive I can see for the foreseeable future. Um, look, I'm sure Vinicius will do something ridiculous, and that'll give us some. I mean, content, this is but... this is really building up to such an enormous expectation in January. Can you can you imagine if the club I does not to sign? It. Can you imagine if the club does not sign? A high-profile striker in January. Can you imagine it? Yeah, right. Yes, yes, just riot. I absolutely can imagine it. I absolutely <laughs> can imagine it because it's happened before. We, look, we we expect there will be some 
some players signed. Um, I, I don't think we're going to get away with not signing anyone. It, it just it, there would be riots at that point. I think it, you would hugely anger Silver, who obviously signed a contract on the basis of some promises being made somewhere along the line because he was pretty much out the door. I think. Um, so yeah, look, we we hold out to January. We're less than a month away. Although let's be honest, it's not going to be closed on the first of January. So we're probably six weeks away from anything really happening. Um, another question that's come in from Craven the Hunter. Um, could we have shut up shop a little better? Great that Tosin was planned to come on just before their equaliser, but do we need to be able, do we need uh, to be earlier with three centre-backs when we've just gone 3-2 up against a formidable home side and on the edge of a huge away scalp? Haven't we just been well, discussing you, that for the past 15 yeah, minutes? Um, yeah, I mean, well, you said that, Jack, and I think there's a lot of validity to that. But I think, I actually think, Silver, who is an aggressive man, let's be honest, and he <laughs> likes a win. He likes a win. Crazy He's not man. That, and, and so I, I actually think he thought he could pull it off, and which, you know, it's not conservative in any way, shape, or form, but I actually think he thought we, we could do this, and he, he yeah. went for it, and, um, you know, they, they snuck two more passes. Well, one thing I yeah. do love about Silver is Silver always believes that. Like, Sil- like the more I get to know Silver, the more I'm just of the opinion that that man is crazy. But he's kind of crazy in the way that I like. Like, he is just hopelessly optimistic and just aggressively angry to anybody who tries to um, contest his optimism. Um, but, you know, he is he has a flaw in him, and that's okay. We all do. It sounds like a, a short fella from, from Austria. About it. I mean, he's a short fella from Portugal. Oh, he's just an angry. He's an angry. He's an angry, he's an angry short that. man who just looks a bit like Colin Farrell. But that's why we love him, you know. <laughs> yeah. Right. Anyway, <laughs> um, look again. A, a slightly disappointing way to finish the game. Well, no, incredibly disappointing way to finish the game, but. When you actually take a step back and look at the fact that we pushed a very good Liverpool side all the way to the end, we almost probably should have come away with at least a point from this game. Um, it, it does send some positive vibes sort of through the supporters. Uh, I think there's, there's a few people fairly as well saying we should have held on and should have done better. But at the same time, I think we, in, in a way, can take some positives from this performance and still look at it and go, there's something there to build on. And and like I've said a few times, I think if we can make just a handful of signings in January, it feels like the, the second half of the season could be drastically different from the first. And, and we only need to pick up uh, about the same number of points we've currently got to be pretty close to safety. So we're not even halfway through the season yet and we, we're doing okay. I think there's there's still a lot to be positive about whilst also admitting that we have quite a few uh, few issues that need to be resolved. Um, let's have a quick look at the stats from the game. Liverpool with 62% possession to Fulham's 38. Liverpool with a whopping 26 shots on goal, mm. uh, nine for Fulham, 12 shots on target for Liverpool to Fulham's five, and expectedly Liverpool with 624 passes to Fulham's 392. Liverpool's three corners to Fulham's four and six fouls for Liverpool to Fulham's seven. 
Uh, a quick look at the table. We're just looking at the bottom half here. Fulham still sitting in 14th place. Um, again, disappointing that we weren't able to pick up that point and leapfrog Wolves. It was looking fairly on there for a bit. Even the three points would have taken us up into 12th place and and really set us up nicely for the remainder of the season. Um, we are still sitting eight points clear of the relegation zone. Luton still picking up points, though, sitting just above the relegation zone. We expect uh, Everton will surely jump out of the relegation spots fairly soon. If it weren't for their point deduction, they'd be sitting in 12th place at the moment. But, look, I, I don't think it's doom and gloom by any means. It, it's interesting if we looked at if we did come away with a win in that game, I was thinking to myself while I was watching, going two or three podcasts ago, we were saying, geez, are we being pulled into a relegation scrap and all sort of agreeing that we were. And we could have been talking after this game about the fact that we're now pretty much banging mid-table, maybe only 20 points from safety with um, what's still 20-odd game, 24 games left to play. Um it feels like there's been a little bit of a swing the last couple of weeks with performances picking up. I don't know if you guys agree. Yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's there's a lot to the future is optimistic. Yes. Yeah, I'm I'm sticking with that. The future is bright, but yeah, sure. <laughs> um, guys, let's move forward and we'll talk about some of the other teams who played. Uh, over the last couple of days. First one we'll talk about is the under-21s who had a fairly long break, actually, um, after the international breaks. Um, a lot of players from the Fulham under-21s going out on international duty as well. Um, and another good win in the league for the under-21s. They beat Brighton 3-0. Fairly comprehensive. Uh, Landed Cock with his first goal, uh, the first goal. I think that's his third of the season. Luke Harris on the score sheet and Jay Williams with his first goal for the under-21s. Um, oh, awesome. If we have a quick look at the table, Fulham under-21s currently sitting third in the league, level on points with West Ham behind only on goal difference. Spurs still flying high at the top there. They're eight from eight so far this season, so they're having a really good year. But just really positive to see this Fulham team continuing to push on, continuing to put sides away. And another clean sheet as well. Um, one thing I noticed in the Liverpool game, I don't know if you guys did, but it was maybe fractionally disappointing not to see any of the under-21s on the bench. Um, well, While they're having such a good season, do you not feel like we should maybe be integrating them into the squad a little bit more? Or do you think a game like Liverpool is maybe a step too far? Oh, I think it's, you know, it's far less about, you know, integration and more about survival and actually getting something working at the moment for where we are. And we're not having a great season. And so I don't think Silver feels what's the right word that he, that he has to be developed, no, that he has to be developing the youth system at Fulham for the long term. I think he's in survival mode. Yeah. I mean, it kind of depends on what like your philosophy is as like a club and also as a coach. I can, I, I, again, I think um, Silva is, I mean, he's doing more with them than he's done in years, um, especially when there is uh, so much room in the squad to essentially have, like, uh, players rotating a bit more. Um, it's really annoying that um, Gotto and Stansfield are 
uh, on loan at the moment. I know we've harped on about this a couple of times, but like if there was ever a season to give them to give the boys a shining light and to really at least pop them in or at least give them a go, like well, it's it's an interesting point, and I know a lot of people are clamoring for Stansfield to come back, but I don't know if you've had a look. He, he hasn't scored in. I think he's maybe scored one in his last 10 games or something. Um, mm. And, he, I mean, if anything, bringing him back would purely be because it, it, under Rooney, he just doesn't seem to be getting the same opportunities he was previously. Um, but you have to allow these players to go and spend that time at a different club. And no, I, we, we, I think we talked about it previously that pulling players back might seem like a good idea sometimes, but really allowing them to have a full season where they can – grow and not feel the pressure. I mean, you're bringing him back to be our main striker. That's just not going to happen this season, realistically. Um, so it, it's it's a tough one. And I, I get when things aren't going quite right, everyone's going, let's bring him back and let's, let's actually put him up front because he's one of our own and he's young and he's doing well. And nah. But yeah. it, it just shows, it just shows in, yeah, his last, um, I think he scored twice in his last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 15 games. Um, and he got off to a great start with three in his first four, but since then it's been pretty quiet. Mm. So you do have to temper expectations a little bit. You, you can say what you like, but integration of youth and sort of magically and romantically bringing on your own and youth players into the senior side is is the luxury of a, a high performing first team yeah absolutely you know i mean it's just not going to happen it's, it's not going to happen there's too much at stake and you cannot roll the dice on young kids you just can't well yeah. consider this as well he he meant he made his england under 21s debut um fairly recently i think it was in the last international break or maybe the one before he probably wouldn't have done that if he was at fulham because he wouldn't mm. be getting the same opportunities. The fact is he had a really good season, a good start to the season. And, you know, he's picked to play up front along guys like, alongside guys like Harvey Elliott, uh, Branthwaite, who's starting every game at the moment for Everton, Livramento. The, these are like a lot of guys who are playing Premier, regular Premier League football, and he's being picked to start up front alongside those guys. Mm. Um, same with Marshall Gotto as well. He's not getting a call up unless he is out on loan. So yeah. it, it's actually working really well for them. Um, and I just I hope we see those guys continue to develop. And the main thing is the next step from here, which we've been kind of good at sometimes when you look at Carvalho and Sessegnon and, um, and kind of Harvey in a way as well. But I feel like we produce so much quality from our youth system. We really should be pulling two or three good players a season through to the first team, not one every couple of years. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree. But look, uh, another good result for the under-21s. Um, they will continue with league action for a couple more weeks and um, hopefully continue putting away the goals. And, and it's good to see clean sheets as well. There's some good defenders in that side. Um, one, two... Definitely keep an eye on his. Uh, oh gosh, I can't remember his name now. He's um, our left back, and he's having an absolute blinder of a season so far. Um, oh, I'll have to try and think of his name and, and post it up because I feel really bad now. I've forgotten it, but I, I believe he's only sixteen years old. He's already scored at least one goal. I think he might have a couple, 
Um, Jonas Senga is his name. Um, he's played pretty much every game. He's got, I think, five assists and a goal already this season. Um, and again, an, a good player to keep an eye on. The fact that we've got Luke de Fougerolles coming through the under-21 side as well. These are, are really solid defensive players who, you know, potentially could be the future of this defensive team. When you look at someone like de Fougerolles and how good he looks, you're thinking about the fact that he could quite easily, it feels like, slot into the centre-back positions at the moment in the first team. Um, there's a lot to like about this under-21 squad, and I, I hope we keep developing and keep blooding these guys into the first team as we go. Um, let's move on to the women's team. Now, they played at the same time on Sunday as the Liverpool game. I think maybe kicked off slightly later, about half an hour later, coming up against Ashford United. And look, it's it was a bit of a disappointing performance. Um not in the fact that we didn't play well, but more in the fact that we just couldn't manage to get that winning goal. Um, Fulham absolutely dominated this game, went down kind of against the run of play. It was a free kick that was taken um, by Ashford. It was a, a good save from the free kick and the follow-up, unfortunately, Felton Newman, who put the ball away quite comfortably. Fulham pushed throughout the whole game and just couldn't manage to score the goal. Megaly Mendes did finally get the equaliser in the 90th minute. Um, there were a number of chances right deep. I think it went to 11 minutes of injury time, and Sophie Manzi had um, a, a goal saved pretty much, um, with keeper pulling off some remarkable saves. Disappointing to not pick up all three points, but uh, it, it seems like it was still a very good performance from the women, and I feel like it's, it's all about picking yourselves up from here and making sure that we don't allow this to fester too much within the squad and, and you move on to the next game and, and try and pull out uh, a good performance again. Um, how, how do you think we come back from what has to be considered a disappointing draw against Ashford? Yeah, look, at this. it's it's such a finely balanced um, project, isn't it, when you're chasing Dartford and, you know, to date, they haven't slipped up, and you're counting on... And when there's only one promotion spot as well. That's right, and you're counting on a near-perfect run. Um, there's only so many slip-ups and blemishes that you can have. So it, it, it's, it's definitely um, making, making things a little bit more difficult. But, um, you know, still a little while to go, and so you've just got to, like you say, you've, you've got to move on to the next week and... You, you can't be looking back because if you if you start looking back and in anger and uh, oasis. yeah mm-hmm. all of that uh you're you're, you're just you're just going to fall so far from 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 the objective so you can only you can only move forward yeah anything oh. to add to that Sammy? <laughs> oh look i mean look i um any any scenario where a team uh, scrubs out um, a um, oh god, I've hit that wall. I have hit that wall in the podcast. Oh, geez, um, uh, I, to you there, should I? <laughs> that's all good. Um, now, any any t- any Stop team that can oh, no, 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 I've got it. I've got it. I've Stop. got it. I've got it. I've got it. Don't let me lose it. Don't <laughs> let me lose it. Don't let me lose it. Um, uh, any team that can um, equalize in the ninetieth minute. That's a pure test of endurance and also just mental toughness. I mean, we've been talking about it um, all part. Basically, um, teams that are 
strong enough, can literally go an entire game and then just be able to scrub out the result that they need. So look, it's not a loss, it's a draw. And then you just take what um, uh, essentially you've learned from this game onto the next one. It's it's an opportunity to rebuild, but you know what? It's not a 9-1 pumping, it's not um, a 3-0, it's just a draw. And you know what? If um, our humbling is uh, a one-all, I'm totally chill with that. It's just kind of, it's just all about how you um, approach the next game next week. And yeah, that's that's my sentiments. Yeah, look, it was it was a rough game. I think we are, I know I saw Alex Heyman came on and basically as soon as she came on, had to be subbed off through injury. Um, a lot of attempts on goal that just couldn't find the back of the net. Um, but like I said, the Ashford keeper just had an absolute blinder, and uh, it's it's not it's it's sometimes just one of those days where you just can't get across the line. But still, it's about like we we've all sort of said, picking yourselves up, moving forward, and making sure that when we come up, I think our next games against Ebbsfleet, making sure that we we don't slip up in that game and pick ourselves up and take all three points home, um, because like we know, it's it's a fight against Dartford. Their game on the weekend actually was postponed due to a waterlogged pitch. So um, they're going to be, uh, I think, a game behind us, maybe even two games behind us at some point. So it's it's one of those things where if we can get ourselves ahead of them, even if they've got games in hand over us, it's a bit of a mental game at that point. So you're on mute there, Dad. But, yeah, I, I see you nodding away, so I assume you agreed with me. I said it's psychologically important. Absolutely. So, look... Um, not the result we were looking for, but still, they're still in the chase for that promotion spot. So please do uh, get down. I think the women have maybe two games before the Christmas break, at which point they don't play until mid-January again. So, yeah, anyone who wants to go and support them, get down to Motspur Park. There's a couple of games before they take a bit of a break for the Christmas period. So, guys, I think we can probably wrap up there. We've managed to cover a lot it was a huge game against Liverpool. Unfortunately, like I said, we didn't get the result that we wanted, but a lot of positives to take from it. We play Nottingham Forest next week. Um, not next week, actually. Sorry, that's a Wednesday night game. Um, a, a big game in terms of um, the table. If we look at the the teams around us, Forest are actually sitting just below us, two points below us. So um, lose that game and let's say Bournemouth pick up a lucky win all of a sudden we fall down to 16th in the table. We pick up a win against Forrest and other results go our way. We move up to 12th. So it actually is turning out to be a very important game for us. So uh, I'm really hoping Fulham can pull everything out of the bag and, and get the win there. Um, let's wrap up, though. Sammy, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Sorry it's uh, run a bit late for you again. Yeah, that's just that's just how we that's just how we do it, you know. Um, uh, uh, what is it, Montel Jordan? This is how we do it. That's how that's how we do it here on that's so crave full and podcast. I'm gonna go to bed. <laughs> no, nah, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. And Dad, thank you for tonight. Yeah, thank you. I've I've had Mark and Pauline picking, following along. Uh, Bless them. YouTube in my lounge room. I was going to give them a shout out just to check if they're still there, which after an hour and 11 minutes for a non-Fulham, non-football supporter, I'd be pretty impressed. And I reckon they're not there anymore. Oh, It would be an exceptional effort if they made it all the way through, considering they have absolutely no interest. But, um, yeah, fingers crossed. We'll wait and see. 
report back. Um, <laughs> thank you again to everyone. I can hear my lovely daughter who's recovering from gastro screaming in the background. So that's my Yay. cue. Awesome. And until next time, come on, you whites. Yeah.